sermon number seven in our Summer Replenish series. If you are new or visiting, a special welcome to you this morning. Uh, I wanted to let you know that all of our sermons are on our website, oceanviewchurch.ca, and they're also all on YouTube. So if you want to go back and catch anything, uh, you can. All kids and teens love stories. My two girls are no exception. Uh, When Calista and Malia need a laugh uh, before going to sleep, they'll say, Dad, tell us a story. And I'll say, which one do you want? They're like, tell us a funny one, like like the time when you were in Merritt and and you drank a super double big gulp and and Pastor Steve wouldn't let you go to the washroom until Chilliwack and you almost died. (laughs) Tell us that one. That's a funny one. Or, Or tell us about the time when you were eating cheesecake and coffee and that guy made you laugh and it came out your nose. That's an awesome one. So I tell it, they have their laugh, and then usually we hear this voice from downstairs saying, all right, you three, you're supposed to be going to bed, lights off, go to sleep. So I pray with them, turn out the lights. You know, to be human is to be a story. And so it is hardwired into us that our good memories and our bad memories, they shape and form us. I turned 47 this past Tuesday, and for some reason I was reflecting on the times of my life when I should have died. There's uh, three particular circumstances where I was pretty close to dying. Uh, One was when I was 18 years old. It was after high school and I worked and saved up my money and three friends and I went uh, backpacking around Europe. And so we were in the country of Portugal and on this particular day we're out in the country, no cities around and there was a train station kind of out in the middle of the farmer's fields And uh, this was the 80s, this was the era of the Sony Walkman, and so I had my uh, tape in there, and I had it turned up way too loud, and I'm listening, and I was sitting on the concrete wall uh, of the train station, and there was a building directly to my left where the trains would come in, and so you couldn't really see, it was a little bit blocked, but if you were being aware, and you were listening, and you were looking in the distance, you would easily see the train coming, not me at 18. Music's way too loud, I'm not watching, and uh, a train comes. And uh, the very last second, the conductor saw me, ran out, pushed me over, and I fell over, my legs swung up, and the train went whizzing by. Uh, easily could have been pulled into that and, uh, and killed. And when I stop and I think about those things, and I remember those times in my life when God has saved me, That time, in a real physical kind of way, it builds up a sense of gratitude in me. And I'm thankful to God. And it kind of fuels a conviction that, God, you've given me my days. I want them to count for you. And in our passage today of Deuteronomy chapter 6, the fledgling nation of Israel is about to go into the promised land. They're about to cross the Jordan River take possession of that thing that God has promised. They spent 40 years. They escaped Egypt. God led them out through the Exodus. They've 40 years wandering the desert, and they are finally ready to enter into the promised land. And what does God, through his spokesman Moses, tell them to do repeatedly? This word, remember. God says, remember how I saved you in the Exodus event. Remember how I I called you out and formed you into a nation. Specifically in our passage today in Deuteronomy 6, 
He wants them to remember three specific things. So if you have your print Bible, I encourage you to open it up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 to 3, and it'll also be up on the screen. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. I've entitled this first point, Remember Your Ethical Center. When I was in high school, uh, the church that my family was a part of, Bethel Baptist Church in Seashelt, had an older man come as an intern. His name was Jack, and uh, he was quite a character. And one thing he told me at that time in my life that I really remember, and I've, I've remembered it ever since, he said, Darren, people don't break the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments break people. I just turned 47, as I mentioned on Tuesday. I've been in church work since I was 23. That's 24 years of watching that statement be lived out in real life. Uh, One time I was up really close to a situation where a husband cheated on his wife. He had an affair, and they asked me to come to the meeting where the dad had to come and sit in front of his children and tell them that he was abandoning and leaving the family to run off with another woman. And it left such a deep impression on me. And I remember thinking, whatever that guy thought he was gaining, lust, the true love he longed for, his soulmate, what other gibberish lies he had told himself, whatever he thought he was gaining, it all came tumbling down in that moment. That guy broke the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. But in a lot of ways, it broke him. And as I sat there with his his teenagers and then the younger children, and I watched the pain and the disappointment and the despair in their faces, I thought, I wouldn't want to be this guy for a billion dollars. The weight of his failure must have been incredible. Another time, I witnessed a Christian guy in our church who was a financial planner take a few thousand dollars from a client so that he could put it on a sure bet. He knew this stock was going to rise. So he took this $5,000 and he transferred it over, and you can guess what happened. It didn't turn out to be a sure thing, and it went down. He lost that $5,000. It disappeared in smoke. And then he was desperate. Instead of coming clean at that point, he took another 5000 from another client, paid that one back, and kept this little shell game going for two and a half years. By the time he was caught, it had mushroomed into $175,000 of debt. And I remember the day he was caught, he was sentenced, tried, and went off to a... Uh, uh, secure institute where a jail where he got checked in for a few days and then he was on electronic monitoring for a whole bunch of years and I remember the day that he had to come clean tell his wife uh, his son his daughter what he had done 
And uh, again, I wouldn't have wanted to been him for all the, the money in the world. And, you know, Jack's statement that people don't break the Ten Commandments as much as the Ten Commandments break people. And I've seen it over and over again. Now, here's the amazing thing in our passage in Deuteronomy 6. It tells us to remember our ethical center. God says through Moses, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe. That refers to the Ten Commandments, and they're listed in the previous chapter, chapter 5. But then it goes on to promise that when we do that, when we keep the Ten Commandments as our ethical center, it says that the benefit will be that we will enjoy long life. Did you hear that? It wasn't you're going to endure long life. It's that you're going to enjoy long life. And you and I want to be replenished. You and I don't want to live with our gas tank on empty. But we can't do that if we strayed away from our ethical center. We can't expect God to fill our souls back up when we are worshiping the false gods of money, illicit sex, power, at the same time, we, we get replenished when we remember our ethical center. We know the commandments, the Ten Commandments, but occasionally in life, we willingly and knowingly do the opposite. And the effect is that it drains us, it depletes us, it depresses us. Psalm 38, 3 through 5 captures this feeling powerfully. Because of your wrath, there's no health in my body. There's no soundness in my bones because of my sin. My guilt is overwhelming me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester in a loathsome because of my sinful folly. What a metaphor. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. Our, our skeleton, it gives us the ability to, to stand up, to run and jump. It gives structure to our body. And the psalmist says when sin, when we have fully chosen to sin and we're living in the guilt of that and its destructive effects, it's almost like our spine collapses. There's no, there's no health or strength in our bones. Now, our whole series is about being replenished, being filled back up, restored. And if we have unconfessed sin in our lives, it's like our bucket has a hole punched in the bottom. And it just keeps draining and leaking out. Now, the wonderful news of the Christian faith is that as soon as we are convicted by the Holy Spirit of our sin, we come back to Christ, confess it, we are cleansed and forgiven and free. 1 John 1.9, 1, one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible, says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the good news of the gospel, the central message of the Christian faith. When we have put our 100% hope and faith in Christ as our Savior and our Lord, then we don't have to ever live in guilt. We don't have to do that. We can live in total freedom. We can hold our heads up high, know with total confidence we have been cleansed from all wrongdoing and sin. The nation of Israel was called by God as they were ready to go in and take that promised land to remember their ethical center. And when we do that, God promises that we don't just have to endure long life, we will enjoy long life.
Well, now we come to the heart of this passage, verses 4 through 9. The Orthodox Jews, even today, take this part so seriously that they memorize it and they say it almost every day. It even has a special Hebrew name, the Shema. Let's pick it up in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What an incredible passage. Jesus was approached by an expert in the Jewish law one day. And the man asked him a question, but it wasn't an innocent question. The guy wasn't looking for information. He was there to trap Jesus. It was actually the third attempt in a row by different groups to try and trap Jesus. And what was designed as a trap becomes one of the most beautiful and powerful lessons in keeping the main thing the main thing. The Ten Commandments, which we've just talked about, are the center of the law God handed down both to Israel and eventually the rest of the world for our moral center, for ethics. Now, there's more laws than that, but the Ten Commandments are the heart. Then there are the civil laws in the first half of the Bible. Those kind of governed how the Israelites would buy and sell property and possessions. Then there are the ceremonial laws that guided how the priests were to function, how sacrifice and worship was to be done in the nation of Israel. Now, by the time Jesus is walking around in the first century, the Jews had built what they called a fence around the law. And they had added a whole bunch of laws. And their idea was, if we can keep that fence around the law, then even if we break some of those laws, we won't be breaking the laws that God gave us through Moses. When you add all those up, that is a whole bunch of laws. And by the time of Jesus, it had become a really oppressive burden for people to try to live under. Now, this group of Pharisees decides, you know what? We've got Jesus trapped. Of all these laws, we'll ask him which one's the most important. And whichever one he picks, we'll say, well, what about this one? This one seems more important. They're like, there's no way out of this. We've got him. But you can't trap Jesus. And you know where Jesus found his answer? In our passage today of Deuteronomy 6. Let's read the encounter. Matthew 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That is so powerful and so beautiful. In a world of a billion different choices and distractions, Jesus cuts through all of it. And he says, you know what's absolutely crucial above everything? The real center is love God and love others. The simplicity of keeping the main thing the main thing. 
That has led people who followed Jesus over the last 2,000 years, they've called that living in Christian freedom. Princeton theologian Daniel Miglior says it beautifully. He says, if Christian freedom can be described negatively as freedom from the terror of having to win God's favor, it can be described positively as freedom for the service of God and others. Augustine aptly characterizes Christian freedom in the statement, love God and do what you will. If you truly love God, then you will automatically love others and serve the world. I can't overstate how much I love that statement of Augustine's, love God and do what you will. So it's August. It's August long weekend. You have either just come off of holidays or you're on holidays or looking forward to some. What an absolutely beautiful, simple guide to enjoy your holidays. Love God, love others. That means take a walk on the beach with the waves lapping at your feet and just pray. Thank God for the blessings in your life, for this amazing world, all this creation. Thank Jesus for his life, his teachings, his miracles that are so inspiring. Thank the Holy Spirit of God for replenishing us in the deepest parts of our soul. Love God, love others. The love others part, that actually means when you're camping, you should get up and make coffee for your spouse in the morning. That means you should go swimming with your kids even when it's cold. That means throw a football with your kids, teach them how to build a campfire, and then teach them how to put it out properly so you don't start a forest fire. Deuteronomy 6 actually guides us how to spiritually form the next generation. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. That seems tailor-made to me for holidays. Maybe your kids or grandkids aren't little. Maybe they're preteens, teenagers. I think the 2019 version of Deuteronomy 6 could say, When you are mountain biking, when you are mini-golfing, when you are playing disc golf or swimming in the Nanaimo River or barbecuing, impress the main thing on your teenagers. Maybe your kids are young adults. Maybe you have a completely different relationship. That's a wonderful conversation to have on holidays. So how are you doing spiritually? Are you able to love God and love others? You know, our world is so technological. Everyone's got a smartphone. There's a billion distractions in our life. Have you noticed that when you talk to people now that often it's, a, it's an exercise in distraction? They'll be talking to you, and then the phone will go, or something will happen. They'll go, oh, sorry, just got to check that. I saw these two uh, little e-cards this week, and they made me laugh. The first one says, if I had a dollar for every time I was distracted... I wish I had some ice cream. (laughs) Isn't that so much like our world? This is my favorite one. When I can't sleep, I begin counting sheep, but my ADD kicks in. One sheep, two sheep, cow, pig. Old MacDonald had a farm. Hey, Macarena. (laughs) Okay, maybe this is me, but those are pretty funny. And into all of that chaos, Jesus says, you want to be replenished this summer? Cut through all the clutter and keep the main thing 
the main thing. Love God and love others. Well, our final three verses that end our passage for today are a really, really important reminder to remember God in the good times. Verse 10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That is so typical of us as human beings, isn't it? When everything's going wrong in life and life's a nightmare, we are constantly calling out to God. God rescues us. He redeems the situation in our lives. Things settle down. Life evens out and things are pretty good. And what's our natural human tendency? We forget God. We stop praying. We forget what Christ has done on our behalf. We ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit, which brings us back to where we started. Don't forget what God has done, how Christ has rescued and redeemed, how the Holy Spirit of God empowers and convicts and guides. When you are in your hammock this summer and you have a little cold beverage in your hand, I challenge you to just take some short amount of time, maybe 25 or 30 minutes, and recall the ways that God has blessed you, that He's provided for your family, the way God has redeemed broken relationships in your your life, the way God continues to call you into deeper relationship with Himself, how God continues to, to lead and guide the church that you are a part of. I guarantee just taking 30 minutes to remember will be a big help in our quest to be replenished. Well, through Moses, God called ancient Israel to remember. He, rem- he said, remember all that I have done for you and that I'm currently doing as we are about to enter the promised land. Through Jesus and the preaching of God's word this morning, I her- hope you have heard the same call. Remember, remember three things. Remember your ethical center. Remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. And remember God, even when things are going well and you are blessed. We do that, Ocean View Community Church, and we are well on our way to being replenished. Amen?